For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Before we get started with the episode, we have a new sponsor that we would like to tell you about. I'm very excited that they are joining House of L. It's BlueChew.com. That's right, BlueChew.com. And just so you don't have any preconceived notions, BlueChew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in a chewable form and at a fraction of the cost. If you're one of those guys that needs a little bit of extra confidence when it's time to have fun, you should go to bluechew.com. Most guys don't want to talk about anything having to do with ED, and trust me, the folks over at bluechew.com completely understand that. But the sexiest thing is to do something about ED. The sexiest thing is for you and your partner to have an active and fun sex life, and bluechew.com can help you with that. You want your opportunities to count. Understand that with this, there are no embarrassing doctor's visits There's no awkward conversations, no waiting in line at the pharmacy, and it ships right to your front door. Even that, it's in a discreet package, so you don't have to worry about anyone getting into your business that doesn't need to be getting into your business. If you don't like swallowing pills, don't worry. They've got the Blue Chew tablets that are chewable. Get it? BlueChew.com. So if you find that you're lagging behind a little bit, you just don't have the same type of confidence that you used to, and you want to get back in the game, BlueChew.com is the way that you can do it. We've got something for you. If you use the promo code HOUSEOFL at checkout, just pay $5 shipping. That's it. That's BlueChew.com promo code HOUSEOFL to receive your first month for free. If you're in the market, if you need it, if you want to go back to having a good time and not having any of this stuff like on your head, BlueChew.com. And now, let's get down with the episode. Yo, welcome into the House of L podcast. Thank you so much for hanging out here with us. Man, I got a treat for you on this episode. I don't know if Ozzy Jr. is really done like a long form, long form episode, but I think what you'll hear in here, which is a goal, it's a goal of what I want to get done on House of L is to have episodes and interviews with people that sound like two friends talking. Now, that's not always possible because I don't always know my guests to the point that I would say, yes, this person is a friend 
Um, that, so, so the goal is always to make it feel that way. And I get lucky when people are willing to, to give and they're willing to share. And that's a lot of fun. This episode, though, like this is an actual friend. Like this is someone who's he he's on a very short list of people that have seen me drunk. Like legit, there's probably five people that have seen me like drunk in public, in public. And he's one of them. Me, him and golf one night just decided that we were just drinking tequila. And we did. Now, this was, you know, 15 years ago. But I love Ozzy Jr. I'm a big fan of the Guillens. All of them. And the goal was, in this particular episode, I wanted to get Ozzy Jr. and One to, to do the episode. But One had something else going on, so he couldn't do it. My hope is that eventually I get an episode with him. And actually, now that I think about it, it might be better that I get him one-on-one because we've had some really, our conversations have gone in very, you know what's weird? I talk a lot of baseball and football with Ozzie Jr. And strangely enough, whenever I've had a conversation with, with One, it's been about bigger picture stuff. So I'm going to try to get that interview because it'll be a lot of fun. A lot of fun. So is this one. What Ozzy Jr. has done, and he he talks about it. He talks about how a lot of things were made easier for him because of who his dad is. Don't let that take away from the fact that he has put in the work. This this cat is accomplished, man. He and and you'll hear him. You'll hear, but being around baseball. It led him into a different direction than than, than most people would have expected. It led to him getting an MBA. And I I love that he's talking about that, and he's talking about all of the things that growing up Guillen has allowed him to do. It's also nice to get a juxtaposition of what what he has, what his kids have, what his brothers have, because of the sacrifices of his mother and his father. And where they started and what life was like for Ozzy Sr. in Venezuela and then coming to America to, to play baseball. What you'll hear is... Uh, a man who is very, very grateful for what his parents have done for him. The, the immigrant story is amazing. And hearing him talk about Venezuela, because we do, we spend a lot of time talking about Venezuela. And hearing him talk about what it was like for his father and how appreciative he is of, of what his, his father did and the sacrifices that his mother made for them to live in that space 
and be where they are and be given opportunities is pretty, pretty great. I also think this is just me, and you'll hear me in here talking about this with, with Ozzy Jr. I also think that he should be in somebody's front office. I think his dad should be managing, and I think Ozzy Jr. should be working in somebody's front office. And when you hear him talk about the game, you'll understand. And he, he even says, I actually now have the profile of someone who would be working in a front office. I've been around the game. I played it to at least a high enough level. I'm bilingual. I have an MBA. This is exactly the type of guy that people are looking for in their front offices. But we, we talk about all of that, so we're, we're going to share it with you. Before we get to the interview, this isn't official yet. Like this, it is, I'm not supposed to tell you in this episode because our, our deal doesn't officially start until April 1st, and this episode is dropping before April 1st. But Aurelio's is going to be a sponsor of this podcast, and I could not be happier. Went and sat with Joe and his team. At Aurelio's, you know, I had to get a a pie out of the old oven. But I told them, like, how much I love their pizza and how much I've loved their pizza since I was a teenager. And we figured out that it would be a a good fit. So, um, look, it's this is this is called added value in the broadcasting game. I'm giving this some added value right now. But Aurelio's is the spot. So if you're thinking about getting some pizza, head on out to Homewood. Shout out to my man John out there. Ask him to put it in the old oven. You'll never have a better pizza in your life. So thanks to Aurelio's, and I appreciate them jumping on board. Ozzy Guillen Jr. and I sat down and talked about life, baseball, his dad, Venezuela, and Growing up Guillen, you should check out the Guillens on YouTube. Sometimes their show runs on NBC Sports Chicago. It's hilarious, I think. I think they have a lot of fun, and I think it comes through the television or your screen if you're streaming it. But this was a great conversation with a dude who I I really like and respect. And we start off talking about him growing up right here on the House of L podcast. Everything is good, man. Everything is good. I, you know, being a dad, being a father of two, I got a three-year-old and a one-year-old. Goodness gracious. I, I, I sometimes I think that, uh, that I think I might be an adult. And I get that point. I'm like, man, am I an adult? <laughs> You're out here doing it. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm almost 40. I'm 30, going to be 38 this summer. So I would have been retired if I was a professional athlete. You're out here doing years. adult type shit like all the time now. It, it is. So, but it's like, I'm scared. Cause I'm like, I think I'm like, man, am I an adult? Cause I don't, I don't think I see myself in that light. I get, I make adult type money, but I see there's things that I'm like, I guess, I guess I'm doing adult type things, but yeah, can't, no, no complaining, living the suburb dream, uh, working from home, watching sports, playing parlays, uh, talking a lot of crap on social media and taking bad shows, just living the dream. I feel you on that, man. You're out here doing it, which is a good thing. It's a, it's a really, really good thing, man. I appreciate- oh, people, people always laugh because they say, you know, I remember talking to you. One of my favorite things was when Ozzy was a manager was a lot of conversations we had. And someone was like, oh, man, if Ozzy's a manager again, 
you're going to have so much fun and it's going to be this. And I'm like, I'm going to be honest with you. It might be fun as hell, but it's not going to be the same. Like, I'm not going to be at one o'clock talking to Lawrence Holmes, you know, about the game that night. Like, it's not going to happen. So I'm translating for Jose Contreras. Like, that's not going to happen. Yeah, you've got other things that you have to get done now, which is a good thing. Like, you've, you, I, I really respect the way that you've gone about, like, building not just a brand, but a business. And taking every, like, opportunity, every place that you were in, and learning from it. So where did that come from? Like, where did that hustle kind of come from where you said, look, my dad is able to get me into some of these spaces. I got to make this shit count. You know what? I think that my grandfather and my father, and I think the fact that I'm the first generation of having money (laughs) because my father, my grandfather was broke as hell, you know, meaning he worked a a job every day and he worked really hard, but it, it wasn't a guarantee for him. So I, I think I'd see it like that still. Maybe my son's going to be different than, you know, I saw that Ozzy's opportunity is just his, his name and his likeness might've gotten me in the door at a lot of places, but if I messed it up, that was it, you know, because that, 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 that's just, that's how you can go so far. And you can look at if, if every ex manager or player's son was like, in a great position, then you're like, oh, I don't have nothing to worry about. Like, this is just a, you know, a, a fit in, like, I'm just good to go. But that wasn't the case. And I, I was given an advice, like I never, never turn down an opportunity, do something if you're scared of it and, and just go for it and have fun. But I think that's where it came from. Just, I think just being scared. Also, like when people see you, man, like, you know, first they say, oh, if you're successful, they're like, oh, your, your dad got you in that position. But if like you don't succeed, <laughs> people are like, what happened to you? Like, why do you suck? Your dad's so-and-so. So I think in the back of my head, I think I had that uh, in my, and again, there's, there's guys that have won sperm races that have it way harder than me. Like, you know, I talked, you know, Mark, Marcus Jordan, I, I'm like, man, that's, you know, that's to me, that's just like, I'm like, how do you even, you know, I used to, have to be like, ah, you know, my father's Michael. But with me, it's a little bit different. You know, my dad's not Michael, but you just manage it. Again, make networking, be nice to people and just go ahead and, and say, and a lot of things that I said yes to early on in my career, not worrying about how much I was going to get paid. I just did it, have paid 20 times more later in life. Give me an example. Give me an example of something where you were like, yeah, Mitch you Rosen. know. Midge Rosen, 670 the score, you know. He was like, hey, you want to do a show in Spanish? I was like, sure, why not? Uh, Translating for Jose Contreras when I didn't even know if I was going to get paid. Uh, I'll even go back to the nightclub world. You know, I was a club promoter at 21, 22 years old. A lot of guys that I met in that world became adults and are, you know, I met him as a freshman at Northwestern. And now that guy is running a hedge fund, you know, and I've known him for that long. Jeff Passan, man, Jeff Passan is like, the number one insider MLB guy. I met him when he was just like starting, you know, and, and in the media, people think that I met Lawrence Holmes, like the Lawrence Holmes, like, you know, golf. Like I've met everyone early on enough that I've seen that work that they've put in. But I think that they respect the fact that I wasn't like, oh, you know, I'm better than you guys, or I'm not going to do that. I just think that I was just riding along. So I've, a lot of the connections of the people that I have now, they've just they've done the projection of their careers. So it's paid off for me 
that I'm in that room with them because I was there with them and I did something, you know, at seven o'clock in the morning at a White Sox fest with Ranji. Back then it was way harder. I was out partying and drinking. <laughs> I'm on two hours sleep. Now it'd be easy. Now it's like, now, now it's easy. Now I'm up at that time. But, you know, those relationships, I think that uh, that have paid just dividends, man, just over and over again. I always appreciated that about you and Oni. Uh, I don't really know Osney uh, at all, but you and Oni, like you guys were, I never felt like even though you guys had the golden ticket around White Sox, I always felt like you guys were paying attention to what was happening in the market and you made it a point to get to know people. I mean, that's a skill. And that's a skill that a lot of people don't understand is really important for, forget about media, for any walk of life that you want to try to be a part of. You know, I tell people now, especially the, the you know, I'm going to say to my kids, but younger kids, you know, because of technology and they think because of Zoom and WebEx and all this, you know, podcasting and you don't need to be in a room to talk to someone. It's people skills, man. I, I work in corporate America. i do media. I've been in baseball. I've been in entertainment. I've been in several industries. It's about communicating and communicating means not just presenting well in a presentation, but like, do you have people skills? Do when someone talks to you, are you genuine? Are you vulnerable enough to just, you know, be yourself? And that's, you know, from being able to grab a drink with someone or just talking about a sport, giving your opinion to later in life, just being able to, to, to hold a conversation and being responsible, uh, to, you know, to carry your own. But I think it's just that it's being a real person. And I think it comes from my dad, man, my parents, my dad and my mom always made it a point that you always treat everyone based on respect. You respect me, I respect you. You know, no color, no money. It was just like, if they give you respect, you give them respect back. You know, if a the guy living in the streets that has been facing, you know, a hardship, you respect that. If they show you respect, you respect that person back. Just like someone could be driving in a, you know, $100,000 car. If they give you respect, you give them respect back. So I think that's just something that was ingrained in us from my grandparents to my parents to us. And I think it's paid off. Again, you look at my repertoire of friends. <laughs> I That's just awesome because I got friends that, you know, I'm friends with in the White Sox with the chairman Okay, for example, who I hold in a very high place because only so many people have gone there. And I'm friends with, you know, the bat, the guys that are still working the clubhouse. Right. I'm friends with the security guards. I'm, you know, I'm buddies with, I go to this, I go by section and I'm saying hi to people that have been working there for, for 40 years that have known me, beer, beer vendors. And I, and I look at it, to me, as normal, but we were just at a signing and these two guys came over and they were like, oh my God, man you and your father are so humble. And I'm like, to me, it doesn't, people act, sometimes they get weirded out because to me, it's not like a big deal. It's just how I was raised. So it's not, I'm not trying to do that uh, at all because I, I don't know how to, like, that's just my nature. If you're an asshole to me, if you're mean, I'll, I'll, I'll be being, being back. I'm not going to lie about that, but I'm just going to give you the same level of respect because again, you're just, you're just someone that admires something. And, and again, we we're in the world of people and business. And, and again, we're just trying to, I'm trying to make myself accessible. So why would I make myself unreachable if someone has a question or something? They're, they're paying, you know, they're my listeners. They're my customers. 
you know, they're the people paying the ticket to come see, you know, Ozzy, come see the game. Like, I'm not selling a CD, but I'm really selling myself. So I can't be, I'm not, I'm not at that level where I can tell people to F off again. And if I don't want to be around people, I just stay at home. But I think it's just from that. If I can give my kids anything, it's just the upbringing that I had, not money wise, but I've, I got the same upbringing that my parents gave me, you know, from generation to generation on how to be that type of human. That, that's the best I can do. What was your favorite part? Or is because your dad still pops around into clubhouses. You still get into into some of those spaces. But growing up, what was your favorite part of being in baseball clubhouses? The innocence. The innocence. I think that, man, I, I look back now, I was an annoying kid. What was I even doing there? <laughs> I mean, I used to ask, I used to talk to Carlton Fisk. Like he was like my 10-year-old friend. You know, I, I talked to Robin and Frank like they were just some dude that was just there. So to me, it was just a game, meaning as a kid, it was just normal. Um, now that I look back at it, I'm like, man, Frank probably had to be like, I got to hit three home runs for this MVP. And I'm asking Frank, like, hey, what do you think about this guy? You know, to them, it might have been fun because they got their, you know, their head was a little bit out of the game. But I think, I think being around the game, I think when I look back, and I include everyone, I never thought while I was in the game, meaning that my dad was managing because of all the media stuff, that I have so many friends in the media, you know, from guys like you to guys like Mike North. I'm texting you know, I'm, I'm texting so many guys that I'm talking across the country that are in media. Okay. Then I'm taking, talking to guys that are former players, you know, former front office guys. And those are all those relationships have come from me being around the game. So for me, I cherish the, the friendships that were able to be cultivated because of the game of baseball and being there. That was the most favorite for me. Like now for me, I think that I'm jaded. I'm older. Mm -hmm. I'm skewed. Uh, I'm like a grumpy old man. You know, I feel like when I talk to C's and Moncada, I feel like I'm lecturing them more than I am just being a guy with them. I'm trying to be like, yo, dude, like, you know, get it together. Like, you know, this is how you're supposed to be doing this. Don't do this because I'm, I am older than they are. But that relationship of just being able to go with it, I feel like I'm older. I look how the business, you know, what the business is like. I'm more protective of, of certain things and elements. You know, I just don't let things happen. If I can give, any of those guys that I'm friends with, any advice, you know, from things that have happened to me, happened to my family, happened to guys that I've been around the game, you know, that's why it's different. Back then it was just innocent. You know, it was just, you just rolling around doing, you know, just hanging out. And that's, that's what I enjoyed about it. I, I was, Ozzy's timing in my life as a manager was a perfect time for me so that I wasn't, I wasn't too young when, when, as a, as a person, and I wasn't too old that I was out of it. I was just at the right age where it was okay for me to go out with guys and have fun and enjoy those moments. Our guys across the league, which I think it's awesome. And that's something that I cherish because I don't think that comes around anymore. It was just like a perfect timing. Like they said, Ozzy, your dad's going to be a manager in Chicago and you're going to be just turning a sophomore in college. And I said, I got to go to Chicago. And it was coming back home. You know, Chicago is home. And it just came full circle, man. Like it was, it was a great time. And all those fun times that I had there that, you know, the good, the bad, the ugly, they've gotten me to where I'm at today, which is what I'm grateful for. A lot of bad winters, but a lot of good times and a lot of happy moments. And that's what I love about the game. Just being there, the wins and losses, obviously that's fun. You know, the money my dad made when he was a manager, but the memories, not only with my family, but in the game itself and just being there and seeing the day-to-day -day of it. I, I, I wouldn't trade it or change anything for, you know, for anything. 
how big were your dreams about playing? Not big at all. My dream, I think, I had one dream that I did not accomplish as a player, and I wanted to wear a uniform in Winter League Baseball. Mm. And I think that if I had leveraged it enough, I think that the team owner, they probably would have allowed me to do it <laughs> and probably played a couple games and probably got a lot of strikeouts. But I never dreamed about playing major. I'll tell you what, I, the only job that I've ever envied and two of the, not regrets, but two of the things that I wish I would have done better. And again, life happens in different things and different reasons. I, I would have loved to have been a front office guy. Hmm. I, 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 my dream was always to build a team. If it was in football, if it was in basketball, if it was in, I've always, I, I was a kid that when I got the baseball game, I always wanted to build my team. And all the time I thought about building my team and I want to be an owner and I want to be, I want to be the guy running it from upstairs, not necessarily playing. And that's just something that I had in my, I've always been that way. I run a, I run a men's team now. It's like my fantasy team of, of adult men playing baseball. But even then I, I two things that I, I wish I would have done differently, meaning connection wise. I think that if I had the maturity that I have now, I would have gotten super close to Rick Hahn and Kenny Williams at the time. I think I would have been so annoying for them that I probably would have been like, you know, let me run with you. I think from a career standpoint, because I learned so much from those guys, Jerry in the front office, not being with them every day. Meaning like, I just learned it by just being around it. And, and David Sampson, for example, and the Marlins guys, again, learning the good and the bad, but I never made it a point of saying, Hey, I want to be, I want you to be my mentor. Mm -hmm. Okay. You, think, you were just around it. It wasn't like, Hey, I want to go in this no as a career. There was no conversations ever. I don't know why, why, but I think that even just from a career standpoint, because I look back and I've had so many lessons and so many things in the game of baseball and outside of baseball that I got from just being around those guys at that level that I think going back, I'm like, if I would have been, if I would have attached myself, I, probably, I, I might have a shot like Theo. I might've had a shot at a world series earlier. Cause I see the guys that are smart. You know what, when you look on paper, I would have been a perfect fit. Like grew up in baseball, knows analytics, college MBA, bilingual. Again, I'm more old school when it comes to certain things, but I think that had I really wanted to go that route with those two individuals and how diverse they were and ahead of their time, okay, ahead of their time, because they were doing things that they never marketed it, but I was in those rooms and I heard those conversations that I think that I've had, I wanted to go hundred percent into a baseball career. I think I would have been just, you know, I would have had a, a really good run in that industry in that time. It's not too late. You ever think about thinking, doing it now? My wife, Sarah, would freak out. Four years ago, they <laughs> played a prank on her. They put an envelope with an invite, like, a, like, a, like I was getting invited to for a job interview from a Major League Baseball team, okay? Um, baseball doesn't pay as well. I think that I would get back into the game in two ways. Somebody like a, a family member, or somebody that knows what I can bring to the game says, hey, come on as a consultant. Okay, come and help me make this happen. If the money's there the way that my career is, absolutely, let's do it. I might do it just for fun. Say, hey, I'll help you. Okay, let me let me be a part of it. Um, because I think chasing a ring is the most amazing thing ever. You know, money's great, but accomplishing something that big is awesome. I think that I would do it. I think that stripping down career-wise, I think that there's a time and place. And I always tell people this, if you have an itch for sports, jump in them as early as possible. 
mean it being if it's behind a microphone and being in the media or if it's in the field coaching or front office. Why? When you're 22 years old and you have to sleep in your friend's couch and you are only making, you know, a hundred bucks an episode, 50 bucks an episode, everything is fun. That you're not competing against anything. Everything you, everything is just like, you know, hey, you want to be on with Lawrence? Yes, you want to be on with this person? And it's just fun, fun, fun. And you live in this world of like, yes, you're live, you're you're doing things, but you're having fun. You get to a point later in life when there's certain responsibilities, okay, that making those types of moves have consequences. And you say, I would love to be, be in that role. I, I see the roles all the time that pop up, uh, you know, on LinkedIn and whatnot for baseball. And I said, that's not, that would not be the best. I would be very selfish for me to do that, to be in a, in a stadium, you know, mm-hmm. that much. Cause I know how much work it takes and dedication to be that great um, at those positions. So later on, again, my kids can get older. I could do that later on, but like right now to change career, I think my wife would be like, how much? And it, and it wouldn't be the right path. One of the things that scared me the most, man, about baseball I saw Ozzy succeed and Joy Cora and that core and Kenny Williams and Rick Hahn, and they were the toast of the town and the toast of baseball. And they, they were, they were writing books about them. They were, they were, it was an amazing run for them. And then within like, like a presidential cycle, they were done and what they were doing was no longer cool. And then they moved on to the next. And I saw a lot of guys who I thought would end up being general managers would end up having those be, be their own managers and their own team, you know, have to kind of take secondary roles and kind of be in the game and repay their dues that I say, Oh man, I compare baseball to like uh, presidencies. If your guys is the president, then you have a, you know, you have a great position, but when that guy leaves, you better have a plan B and made a lot of connections because you're not guaranteed. Like my father has a world series, man, world series champion. And he, it was eight years before they interviewed him. You know, he's had more chance. This is so crazy. Ozzy's had more media opportunities in his career. Okay. This is nuts. More media opportunities in his career. I'm talking from ESPN, NBC, radio. Like he's the, the lowest show he's done is the, the, the show with, with us, the podcast. Cause he went from like, just guys competing for Emmys, like just very top more than he ever has for baseball. More he, you know, he got a coaching job, white Sox. Marlins and that's and then it. that was like and then a couple things so we, we compare the careers and we say Ozzy like technically like you've really flourished in like this media thing and the way that it looks like you're probably going to get more opportunities because of media than baseball that to me is very scary because I'm like I consider him being a very knowledgeable man and the way that I look at him I'm like man if Ozzy Guillen can't get in and not just Ozzy I'm talking about I got a list mm, excuse me I got a list of so many baseball people that are so, so, so talented, that can bring so much to the game that don't have a job or are, are, are in a job that is lower than what they should be in, that it's scary for me. Cause I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm Ozzy Jr. Like what, what can I bring? I didn't play in the big leagues. You know, I would not be getting these jobs either. So that's why baseball scares me in that aspect. It's, uh, it makes me angry. I imagine it probably makes you angry too, that Ozzy's not managing mainly because it seems like 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 how you laid out you would be on paper like the perfect candidate to run a front office 
if you put it on paper, Ozzy's the perfect candidate to manage a team. And and so, like, when he got the, the interview in San Diego, like, I was, like, really stoked because I was like, man, that would be a good fit. Like, that, that team would be a perfect fit for him. And seeing him not get the job, I'm like, ugh. And seeing some of these dudes that manage in Major League Baseball, I'm like, come on. I, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me, especially since we're seeing the demographics of the game change. And having a manager that could communicate with a big portion of your roster, I think is really important. So I, so who's Ozzy managing? If he's managing the Orioles, then I'm like, oh, no. That's, <laughs> I don't think we can do losing season. So I always joke around about that. But I think that you know, it's a very special job, okay? So a lot of things that people don't see is, you know, when Ozzy got the job in the White Sox, okay, you kind of, when you're going to an acting gig, okay, and you got to play Batman, you 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 got to be Batman. That's your role. And people don't understand that. And when I when I always say that, when when you know Ozzy Guillen, there's Ozzy, there's Oswaldo, there's Pay, there's different phases of him. My father with the uniform is a completely different person than my father without the uniform. Okay, depending on the role, even as a coach. When he came when he, when he got on the White Sox, I think that the team let him know what he needed. He saw what they needed. And he became that character because he knew that the guys that he was leading needed that. I'll give you an example. And we've always talked about this. There's times when people say, no, they stop us. And I think Tony Ruz is the greatest manager ever because with all due respect to Connie Mack, he owned the team, can't fire himself. So Tony's got the most wins. And people say, Ozzy would be perfect for this team. And I got friends on this team. Okay. I got friends, really good friends. And I say, there's a part of me that says, oh, absolutely. That'd be amazing. There's a part of me that says, I don't think they can handle it. You know, just because if he becomes that character again, he would have to change. But I, I, I'm not mad. I'm more disappointed because when you, after the comment, I think that the San Diego Padres, it was an amazing interview. I, I, I was in it the whole time, kind of behind the web acts, and he thought it was crazy that he was interviewing for a job, manager's job, you know, on a, on a camera, <laughs> on a computer. But had it not been for Bob Melvin, I think he's the guy. Okay. I think Bob Melvin came out of left field, you know, two teams with a lot of money. He knew that this was a payday for him. Okay. So he wanted to see what was out there. The A's did not want him. You know, they have their own situation. Basically Bob now, Bob Melvin's, you know, Bob's available. You know, you got to tip your cap. It's Bob Melvin. You lose to Bob Melvin. You're like, Oh, okay. I know why. Here's a part of people when they forget about Ozzy and about communicating. Okay. If you have you have an analytics department, okay. Before it was analytics, you you surrounded yourself with coaches that were not like you, okay. You surrounded with coaches that complimented you, okay, in things that you might be missing, either strategy wise or personality wise, okay. Ozzy did that with his coaching staff. Ozzy would joke around. He says, "I won the World Series with Harold Baines as my bench coach." Okay, I didn't need Harold to tell me, Ozzy, you know, do a hit and run. Like, I know that part. But Harold helped me in other ways and helped me with players when I had to calm down. Okay, he brought me peace and like in moments, slowed the game down for me like he did when he was a player. You know, that worked. And he's never talked about that. But there, there was a sense of calmness with him as a bench coach that people thought that Harold was giving me, you know, that I need a bench coach for 
hey, do a hit and run. He's like, I don't need that. I know the game enough for that. But Harold brought a sense of peace that gave me serenity to be able to think I had in the game. Now, teams are built around everyone has to have the same skill set. Okay, and Ozzy has a skill set that is very unique. Obviously, being bilingual helps him. And people now always try to hire based on, is this person bilingual or a color? I'll give you an example. When I look at Dusty Baker, other than the fact that he's really black, okay, Dusty Baker can communicate with the greatest player that's ever played the game, Barry Bonds, or he can communicate with some kid that just came up, you know, first at bat in the big leagues, who's 21 years old, okay, even at his age. Ozzie Gian can communicate with a player that's from Japan, okay, that no one's known. He can communicate with a guy like Mark Burley and communicate with a guy like Paul Konerko. They go beyond the skin color and the language, okay? They can communicate in a team. Universal okay? appeal. It's a universal appeal. I don't know what it is, okay, but they have that. And Ozzie in today's game, a lot of teams have gone away from that universal appeal, Okay, because they think that a manager might give them better X's and O's. Okay, and that's great. But that universal appeal that you can communicate, and I think a younger generation, okay, because you have the energy, understanding where they're coming from and getting them to play well and play hard. I think Ozzy has that, and not many people do. Again, his, his, his profession, that what used to be his profession, I think a lot of people can't do that type of work. That's what the game's missing. And they've, it's funny because when people say, well, what Ozzy's going to say, I said, Ozzy's worked in the media for 10 years. If it was a verbal thing, he would have been fired a long time ago. He is paid to talk open format. Okay. But he knows that he's not trying to get Chuck Garfine pumped up to do the game, but he knows that if he says something in the media back then, that it would get to the players, that it would get an effect. It would probably take the attention away from Ozzy, you know, from them onto Ozzy. He did a lot of things that he's never really explained that I know that he was doing because it was in the role. But that's the part that's disappointing that people think that you need to be a certain way now. And instead of letting you be outside the box, which I think makes you a better, a better a manager and a better coach, they want to put you in a box. And I think that now um, is what's watering down the game. And you got you don't you don't see players growing. They, their skill sets growing, meaning that their skills are so good that they're going to put the numbers, but have they reached their potential? That's what people don't understand. Natural, natural born ability. Okay. Taking it to the highest level that you can. That's where I think that's what's the game's missing today. I love when your dad breaks down defense. I love it. He did a thing last year where he was talking about Moncada and he was talking about, it's such a simple like coaching point. But it rang so true. He's like, well, let me tell you why Moncada, some of the throws that he makes are like this. It's because. And then he was literally showing you the difference between step and throw and step, step, step and throw. And and how you can get off balance. It was so great. He's so freaking good at all of that stuff. You learn so much like watching him that he would laugh if I said, if I called him a teacher, he like me, a teacher, come on. But he is like, he's, he's literally teaching you the game while you're watching him. And you can see how, whether he's coaching or managing, 
how he would be able to help just about any player with his style uh, and his bona fides, like him being a guy that was a really good defender and Oh, and as he would talk about, like not being a good hitter and what the difference is be, between that, like how he understands pitching and, and defense. It's a lot of fun to watch him do his thing. Oh, it's, it's, it's amazing. And I think that, you know, him and Frank together is just, uh, it's just awesome. It's magic. It's, it's, it's so many years. And, and Chuck does a great job of wrangling them and, you know, the, the, and the combination, but again, you can see Ozzy that, it could be Frank, it could be Brian, it could be Pods, and he can, he adapts to what they have to do, but he doesn't think that he's teaching, but I always make an example. I said, there's people that are born to do certain things in life, okay? When I, and again, I came from Ozzy, okay? I grew up around baseball, and when they break down to me sometimes defense, it doesn't come very easy, okay? Baseball has been something that I'm very knowledgeable but when it came to execution and working it, I was on the I was on the side that I had to do more work to be great. It just didn't come natural. My brother Oni, my brother Asne, they'll listen to something and they'll and they, they caught it right away. They are going to teach something, and I have to read probably three more hours than what they're going to teach. We pick a different subject, different story. For Ozzy, the game of baseball, okay, is something that a lot of people don't understand that how can this person know so much about something specific? That's who he is. In the game of baseball, Ozzy in between those seats in the bench as a manager, it just comes so naturally. And it comes off so easy that sometimes you're like, are you just being cocky? But it's not. It's like, it just comes because he'll explain and say, well, you do two steps and you do this. And you're like, well, is it that easy? But then when he breaks it down and you really see the work that he's doing, he just made a three hour session on on fielding he just broke it down very very simple he did it in two minutes he did it in two minutes he t- he'll tell ta hey this is what you're doing kid and he'll tell and we did a, in our last uh video podcast that we did he basically gave the signs he's never done it before i've never seen it of what they used to do when he was a player the signs that they had in the 1986 white Sox on how to play guys Okay, so this is a guy that doesn't remember if he bought milk sometimes. Okay, (laughs) but he's going back to the 1986 sign saying straight up this, you know, and I'm like, I'm like, you're like the rain man when it comes to baseball stuff. What do you mean? I'm like, you forget you almost forgot my mom's anniversary the other day. And you didn't give me signs from 1986. You know, you'll be like, oh, how did you play? You know, Kirby Puckett, two feet in, one feet out. And then because we've worked together with him of like, I want him to understand the analytics. And he's gotten to a point that he's like, wait, someone can give me this information. I don't have to remember it. He's like, this is amazing. And that's where people don't get it. If you talk to Ozzy about baseball and analytics, he loves the defensive stuff. Okay. Like he, the, the defensive shifts and, and the running. Okay. Like the opportunities on running and all that stuff. He loves what he thinks is BS is like, why would I care if a guy's curveball spinning if they hit it? I want him to make an adjustment. Why would I care how, how hard he hit that ball? Like, there's a world of like, he's just like, there's parts of what I like, but you're not going to tell me that RBIs don't count and that makes me old school. So that sort of thing, there's a lot of information that lives in that brain that now someone like me can say, hey, I, I just printed out everything that you had the way that you played and I just replicated what's in your brain and you don't have to remember it and write everything down. That's, that's the, the, 
the bridge because his baseball knowledge is just he'll he'll watch games man he he's helped so many guys like and it's so funny because he we always grew up and he said watch the game watch the game and what he means watch the game is watch the game you know don't be looking on the page watch the game the game what's in between the lines will dictate what what happens and that's how you get better at coaching and you get better at at what's happening in the game situations and now one of his worries is like guys are just charting guy throws and you're down looking that's why guys are not if you ask about the Astros cheating scandal Ozzy will tell you that what he's disappointed is the fact that none of the major league baseball dugouts got it because that no one was it. paying attention enough to that see no what they were doing attention, no, paying, paying attention enough you know Jeff Parkour the guy in the thing he steps out like wait something's not up because when you've played the game enough okay and you see a curveball a nasty curveball twice thrown and you see a guy take it like you're like, you know, he is Juan Soto, but he's not Juan Soto. You're like, this guy's got something. And those things are, you know, when you talk, when people talk about like Payne Manning and Tom Brady, they can read the defenses and they can say, if I made this move, you know, I wouldn't have made this move as a rookie because I know better now. That's what Ozzy has. And as a manager, he can give you that. And, and players now, they don't make those adjustments. And that's where the gap is at. Like, it's not the fact that you're, that you don't have MLB experience. It's like, once you get to the big leagues, what are you doing to get that experience? You know, there's, there's two, there's two tangible same in the game of baseball. And to myself, there's stats. Okay. That dictate how you're doing statistic wise. And there's everything else that you can bring to the team. So it's like in basketball, how you're moving in the court without the ball in football, when you're not making the tackle, do you, are you covering your side in baseball? It's like, are you doing everything you're supposed to do? Okay. As a hitter, I'll give you an example, an anecdote. 2004, PK is like struggling. Okay. And when Ozzy came to the White Sox, everyone thought that PK was an antichrist. The, PK didn't have a very good reputation when Ozzy took as a manager. Everyone was always talking bad about PK. Obviously, people thought that Ozzy would come in and because half the team was Latino, that he would gravitate to that. Ozzy being Ozzy, he didn't care. He was like, I want to see who the real, you know, what the real deal is. And he had a set of guys that were so talented, but only cared about numbers. And we've had this conversation with Carlos Lee now that we're older. And, and PK was struggling. Like, he was really, really struggling. And in that struggle, he moved the runner, like, seven times in, like, those 15 at-bats. Like, this guy hasn't gotten a hit. But he would go – and, and, and Ozzy was so happy. And I was like, why are you happy that this guy is moving the runner? You know, and he was like, because I've been there and there's a time and place that when you're playing that they're just not falling. And you have to say as a professional, what can I do to help my team win? Because I ain't getting a hit. OK, I'm smoking the ball and, you know, a guy's falling and hitting a guy in the foot. Like there's a time in a 162 game season where you struggle. And that's why you see great hitters, you know, not hit 400. You know, they have the talent to, but it's just unexplainable what happens. And he's like, he is willing to sacrifice himself, that he has enough self-awareness, okay, to help the team win, that he has stepped outside of his comfort zone and said, I am going to give the best that I can because I know that is not in me to produce right now. And this is what I can bring. And probably nobody else notices it, but I notice it. And that's the sort of thing that, that you can look at the intangibles of more than stats. And that's what, when Ozzy talks baseball, I'm like, you know, you need to listen, watch. 
And that's what he thinks that he doesn't think that it's a big deal. And I always tell him this, I was like, you, we just, I wish what I knew now, we could have marketed that and packaged all that that he was doing. Today, if Ozzy starts managing, any manager, we're making the comment about uh, Miguel Cairo takes over the White Sox, okay? And Miguel Cairo says, you know what? Every time they shift me, we're going to buy. We're going to steal. Our goal as a team is everybody's going to have 40 stolen bases, okay? And Miguel Cairo starts getting Ws, okay? Everyone in the media is going to start saying Cairo ball, the return of Caribbean baseball, the new genius in Cairo. And everyone in the media will make it crazy. And if Cairo's smart enough, like Ozzy should have been, they write a book about it. How I won with, you know, putting, hitting the ball the opposite way, the Cairo way. And he'll market it and he'll go. And but people don't understand is like his job is to win games. So you, you, you strategize what you have on the board and the media. And we're so innocent that we think that the game got reinvented and it didn't. This person is just trying to do what he has to do to keep his job. So you're, you, you know, you're having your opponents and doing that. And Ozzy's so good at that, that I wish I would have been able to market it. And we would have, you know, I probably had more money for my kids' college tuition because we didn't market it. The Astros did. They built Astro Ball and they did all that. But Ozzy didn't market it. Ozzy or Kenny or, or those guys. None of them marketed it. You know, we talk about uh, they made a movie for him in Hollywood, Moneyball. That was a theory. Kenny also had a theory. You know, how do you go from a team that goes and wins? That's hard. 85 plus wins. And you bring in a new manager. Because Jerry Manuel was a hell of a good manager. It wasn't like he was bad. He was really good. You bring Jerry Manuel and you, and you get rid of like top of your six players. And then it works. Talking about strategy, that takes some cojones to do. And then be able to compete. Because here's the other part. In our old time frame, they struggled. You know, after that year, it was like, oh, it was downhill. Well, in the new format, they're in the playoffs five times, four times out of the eight. So, you know, and again, we give, we give, we give names to individuals in the game of baseball, the pit bull, you know, the wild guy, the lazy player, and people just have different personalities. And Ozzy was never deemed the smart, you know, the, I was like, man, put some glasses on. And again, the people changed. Ozzy was, was, was 44, you know, Kenny was maybe 41, you know, super young guys, way different attitude than when you're going to get it again. So when people talk about the game, I think that they often forget, you know, they always forget the bad, but they often forget all the good that came with it. And let's be honest. Okay. You could say anything you wanted back then. It's true. Without repercussion. Okay. I've, now it's just a different you, you people have gotten if you want to argue if it's better or worse that's up to someone's opinion but you can't argue that where we're currently at today is is the same that it was 15 20 30 40 years ago it's and, not and you know, what i tell people about like the experience of covering ozzy i think the way that we covered like there were at least i knew i knew what segments of the day with ozzy were on the record yeah what was off the record and I think most people, at least in Chicago, who covered him, understood. I always joke that you spend 15 minutes with Ozzy on the mic, and you spend 30 minutes with him off the mic. And that's where a lot of the learning would happen, like the things that you would learn about the game. But now with 
the way that media is expanded, like the rules, I, I, I hate to say this because now I'm talking about unwritten rules. The unwritten rules of covering baseball are different. And so it becomes more difficult to have some of those off-the-record conversations and, and them not find themselves on the record. Correct. And, well, I'm going to give you an example. If you're on the beat or if you've covered a team, you know what's going on. You know the rumors. You know who, had, you know who showed up late. You know who's having problems at home. You just have a professional courtesy of not to talk about that. Again, that was part of the game. I'll give you an example. When you look at Ozzy's, Ozzy going off, okay? Ozzy going off on players, funny. His players liked it, okay? His players found enjoyment in it. It might want to be one or two guys that didn't handle it well, but when you look at the majority of the things, the, you ask Jermaine, they thought it was hilarious, okay? They loved it. They knew that he was trying to get under their skin to get them going. That's the players. Ozzy's blow up with Jay Mariotti, okay? If I can go back in time and tell the and, and make an executive decision and said that was off the record, you can't print that, okay? That person could have not printed that. But I made a, a decision that we said we're going to let Ozzy choose. Where Ozzy is from, okay, in the streets of Caracas, he said, I'm not hiding. I did say that. And I called him this, this, and this for whatever reason. And they went and they printed it, okay? It wasn't a secret to anybody in the media that Ozzy had this feeling about Jay. And Ozzy eventually was right about Jay. That Ozzy could have used better swear words? Maybe. Got himself in trouble with that one. The situation in, in, uh, in the, the Miami comment, okay? That was a four-day interview. So I talk about long format. They talked about so many things in that interview that could have been maybe worse, okay, maybe better, but it was a long interview. The Times Magazine article was very, very long. When I saw the clip, I said, oh, I told the Marlins, I said, that's going to be big news. What do you mean? I said, dude, we're in Miami, okay? This, they'll grab anything and make headlines. But no one talked about the fact that when they were protesting Ozzy, there was also people supporting Ozzy, okay? Because that wasn't convenient for the media. Nobody said in the dugout that none of his players cared because they knew what Ozzy was standing for. They knew that Ozzy basically said it as like a, a candid thing saying, I'm not crazy. I'm saying it's hard to kill the motherfucker. Like everyone's trying to kill him. Legitly, was he wrong? No, the guy died peacefully in his house. You know, currently we're still dealing with stuff that they're still in, they're still in power. So he wasn't lying. You know, so, but Ozzy, because he wanted to be an organizational guy, you know, he said, I said it. He could have denied it. He said, prove it. When did I say that? Because I was there in the interview. I was there for the three days of the whole thing. You know, and you look at the stuff, the, the Arizona thing, okay? When he told Major League Baseball that they were they going to tell the Latino players to strike and go after, now he, they might build him a statue, okay? But back then, oh, Ozzy, you can't say that. When he said the thing about the Japanese players, and he said every team needs a translator, how come, how come Iguchi has seven translators and I don't got... I had to beg to get Ozzy Jr. to talk to Jose Contreras to be his translator. And now it's a rule. Now it's a rule. So was it ahead of his time? The social media that people went nuts. He never wrote anything on social media that was bad himself. Okay, now every, you go to the stadium, you look up in the scoreboard, every player has their social media tag. Now they're saying that baseball is not cool 
because there's players in the NBA that have more followers on the bench than players actually playing the game. Yet when Ozzy got on social media, it was like, oh my God, the world's going to end. Maybe he was ahead of his time. Okay. So he did a lot of, there, there's things that when you look at it, okay, that he did the, these blowups. Okay. The Maglio blow up. Ozzy was just protecting Kenny in the front office and saying, I'm going to, I'm going to tell Maglio because I'm friends with him. And we've talked about this afterhand. Say, hey, I'm putting a stop to you. You know me. I know you. And this. Like, so there's all these things that that Ozzy had that when you look at it, it wasn't from a place of malice. Of the funniest one was Ozzy and in, in, uh, in North, which was hilarious. Ozzy was just upset about his lineup. Again, the guy listens to sports radio. He called in. It happens. For when you talk about things that actually happen versus things that didn't happen, when you think about you know, was he, was he, you know, did, did, did he, you know, did he talk bad about a player and said what he really wanted to feel about a player and throw him completely under the bus. Okay. Ozzy dealt with a lot of guys that had a lot of problems, man. The guys that had real world problems and he dealt with them and the front office did. And those guys are better men for it today. There was a lot of things that were happening. So Ozzy has his persona. Then when you look at it, okay, you say, wait a minute, they make documentaries and movies about El Chapo and people that kill people every day on Netflix and they're banking on it. But Ozzy can't say that he thinks that a guy's a badass because they, they, have, they, they can't kill him. But every time my family comes from Venezuela, they want to buy an Al Capone jersey downtown. It's, it, it, it makes absolutely no sense. But we came after him and, and, and that's the world that he lived in. And I think now people thought that that was going to be the person that he was going to be every time he got on the, on the media and on the show. And I'll be honest with you, the hardest thing for Ozzy has been the pre and post game show. Okay. Why? And because, because Ozzy has respect for the game, meaning in the sense that um, he knows that a manager can always be second guess. Okay. And obviously he was a manager and he knows that. So he was like, how do he, I, so he wants to be careful with, his criticism to bring, make sure they were I fair. Authenticity? Yeah. How do I bring authenticity and not say, well, that was a hell of a bad move. I wouldn't have done that. You know what I mean? Like, because sometimes moves are made when you, when you make moves in baseball, football, anything, the further you are away. And I think that's the best part about the media is you can ask, why did you make that move? Okay. Sometimes you can protect yourself and say it was the right matchup. I just felt like it. I messed up. They're going to give you different answers, but it's after the fact. So, it's really funny because you'll say, I can't say there's a right move or the wrong move because I'm not there. I don't know what he has on the bench, but he says, I also, I can't carry water for them and say, Oh, that was a great move. That was really, you know, that was the other day. They asked him, they asked Tony, I guess, called him. He's like, what, you know, what do you think we need? He said, pitching and a new manager. Tony's like, what do you mean? He said, you need to, you need to stop being so nice. So you need to just come out and, you know, take it to the next level. Like, you know, have accountability. We need that. Like we need, you know, we already had the year of like babysitting and, Everyone doesn't think that you, you know, you're a crazy old man. Now it's like, okay, they know you like get, get responsibility. But for him, it was just very hard because everyone thought that Ozzy was going to get on the microphone and just like white Sox bash. Like he was just going to get on and be like, Oh, you know, this guy's horrible. And this guy's this. And that's hard because when you don't cover the white Sox, Ozzy said something about the Dodgers. It's whatever, you know, you're going to hear it on a Sunday night baseball and it is what it is. And he had done Sunday night baseball in Spanish for like six years random teams maybe the white Sox once a year maybe now doing the white Sox every single day 
you know, people know you talk to the chairman. People know that you have connections to the front office. And players. And players know you. People, you know, Abreu, Moncada, Pantera, all practice one of the religious beliefs. They all practice the same thing. That's a connection. They're African ancestor stuff. We all do that. That's a connection. Santeria? Not Ifa, yeah, but a form of Santeria that comes to the new world. But he's good friends with Cease. So he's got connections and he's got guys that he roots for. He always wants to help out. You know, he wants to see the guys do well. So it's hard because when you're the manager, I can say I can come down on a player really hard. Okay. And I'm his skipper. Now I'm just a guy in a, in a suit. So I can't come down on him and say, why is this guy saying this about me? So that relationship, that world of him being able to do it has been challenging. I think he's done a great job of, of navigating it. Um, and we just saw Hawk a couple of weeks ago. And Hawk, you know, he was asking Hawk, like, how do you deal with that? You're in the booth every day, yet you knew so much of what was happening in the team. You, you knew all the inside stuff. How did you balance those two worlds? And it was a very deep conversation on, you know, you're smart enough to do it and you know when to push and you know when to say something to get effect and you know when to protect. And then, and then, and, and, and you go, like the Germinator situation. The reason Ozzy snapped on, on the YouTube is because no one loved the Germinator more than Ozzy when he came on. He got him the jersey, all this stuff. But then he started hearing things. He's not working hard, not on time. It's going to his head. Actually, Ozzy had actually interviewed him. And then when all that stuff happened, he was like, you know, the baseball guy came in. Who the F does this kid think he is? And he snapped, you know, because he didn't, he wasn't doing what he thought was the, what he needed to do in order to succeed. Because Ozzy was like, the reason that they didn't miss Eloy was because this kid did what Eloy would have done and more. So for him to be in that situation now, he really wants an Emmy, but it's, 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 it's good. He's on, he's on six, seven to score in the morning. He's on NBC, you know, pre and post game show. He does the show with us. So he's constantly talking about a lot of things that I know he believes he's a little bit more candid and passionate the way that he delivers it, but he's done such a good job of delivering. We forget this is Ozzy's second language. I always tell people this, Oh, Ozzy, well, you speak both very well. I also got about a lot of money invested academically wise on both languages. Ozzy, he was playing baseball. So he's never had any formal training in the language wise, but so I think that's what makes it more, uh, makes him more authentic, but I think he's done a very good job of navigating that. It is hard, man. You gotta be there in post and pregame show. I was like, that's why he roots for such a, for them having a good season. Cause he's like, losing is not easy when you have to sit there and talk about a losing team. There's no doubt about that. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. As I've told you, BlueChew.com has become one of the sponsors here at House of Bell. And you're like, Lawrence, what's BlueChew? Well, look, if you're a man that's been dealing with some of the issues of not having enough fun or not having enough confidence in the bedroom, BlueChew.com can help you out in that regard. Why? Because they've got a unique online service 
that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in a chewable form. Get it? It's blue chew. So if you want to get back in the bedroom and you want to bring some confidence to the table with you, bluechew.com. And right now we are offering a special deal specifically for House of L listeners. Try Blue Chew free when you use the promo code House of L at checkout. All you're going to pay is $5 in shipping. That's bluechew.com, promo code House of L to receive your first month free. They deliver it. It's discreetly delivered so that people are not in your business that you don't want in your business. And they've got chewable there. It's ready to go. It's licensed. Medical providers work with you to find the right ingredient and strength for your prescription. So do it. Blue it, chew it, and do it. I just made that up. Blue Chew going to give me extra money for that? I don't know. BlueChew.com. Free trial. If you use the promo code House of L, go to bluechew.com. And now, on with the rest of the pod. What's Venezuela like? The most beautiful country in the world, naturally. Um, we are slaves of our own mistakes meaning we, we have lost accountability. You know, we got a government that maybe not many people choose, uh, but right now, you know, we're, we're, we've been too caught up in the past of left, right, you know, who's robbing, who's not. It's a beautiful country. Right now, it's not as violent, okay? Obviously, a lot of people have left Venezuela because of the economics of the country, meaning not a lot of work. So not a lot of work, people leave. Uh, the United States has been a great, uh, host for a lot of people that have come here to make it, but I go there once a year, twice a year. I'm allowed to go back again. I don't have any issues with the government at all. Um, I know better of, I know if I say something about the Venezuelan government, there might be repercussions, meaning I can be told that I'm not welcome back or I can be asked questions again. That's the, the form of the regime, but we go back. My family's there. You make it happen. Uh, I, I think it's funny, a, a quick funny joke is like, we're supposed to be like all this, like, there's supposed to be like no American dollars, but there's Zelle and there's American dollars everywhere. So it's like, it's going to get better. They're, they're going to start selling gas back to the United States at last I read, but it's a beautiful country. You know, it's a, it's a country that we took a lot of things for granted. And now we're like, on trying to rebuild back what we have. And again, I think a lot of people lost accountability to you know, what's, what am I doing to make this country better and not take away from it in any shape or form. And, um, you know, we, we have very short memory. So that's why I think that we're in a situation where, but Venezuela is amazing. I always tell people this, when we talk about tourism, we were never welcoming to tourists, even when the country was amazing. We weren't a tourist country. We we're oil rich. So we weren't like, you didn't need the dollars, in- right? We didn't need it. So we didn't build all inclusive resorts. We would be like, ah, oh, tourists, get out of here. Like that was just our mindset. Now we kind of want to change it and we should have been changing it. We should always want to welcome people and say, hey, look what we have to offer. We have awesome natural resources and you built the country, but um, hard work. And I think that the generations are changing of, I don't think anybody remembers what happened in 1970s and how great it was. You know, do you remember the situation that you're in now? I think there's going to be a lot of Venezuelan players in the next 10 years that are actually raised in the United States. 
a huge group. You're going to start seeing like, you know, Jack Smith, Jose Smith, half Venezuelan. You know, because do you think there are a lot of here. people that came over and oh, people came here like lives? I got, yeah, I got you know, I got little nephews in Miami that are now 14 years old. You know, that left 10 years ago. That you know, they're as American, you know, as I mean, the NFL. You know, Venezuela is something that they they know that they're from there, but they've never really lived there. They go might go visit, but that's the that's the generation that that we're in. And players are going to keep getting better, obviously, because of the situation that the country's in. Usually when there is poverty, you tend to have better athletes because, let's be honest, it's one of the ways to get out of poverty is sports is one of the one of the vehicles, just like entrepreneurship, just like getting a degree. You know, you 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 realize early on that your skill set in any sport can get your family to a better situation. You're going to you're going to try as much as possible. This international drafting, I'm like in between. Do I want it? Do I not want it? You know, because I think that there's there's bads and there's bad and good in both sides, but it's very ironic on how it's going to play out because a lot of kids in Venezuela are going to be affected by it. A lot of kids internationally are going to be affected by it. So I was trying to see like, what's the best thing for the kids? Again, my opinion, should you be 16 year old and signing to a professional baseball team? I think, you know, that's a very young age. You know, but again, they get paid, they get money, they do it in soccer. There's all these other arguments, but Venezuela is a part of that. And I, and I think that hopefully it gets better. So, you know, more players want to play there. You know, the game keeps growing there. Because I think that all Latin America is the future of baseball. We're doubling down on, on trying to bring other fans into our, into our world of baseball. And baseball is competing against a lot of things. All the, all the sports are. When soccer's down, that means everything's down. You're competing against YouTube. You're competing against podcasts. You're competing against, you know, gaming online. You know, that baseball is going to, it's not going to be America's pastime like it was in 1950s because guess what? It's not 1950s, okay? It's not 1950s. So we're not going to get, you know, that many viewers when there was only one channel and everyone's watching the game. And, you know, you're not going to go to the stadium to watch every single game because there's other stuff to do that might just catch your eye. So you just have to go with where your fans are. And I think major league baseball has not doubled down on that on like really going after those fans, because that's where I think that their market is in that they've never doubled down. That's where the, the growth could come from. NFL, the NFL right now knows that Mexico is the number one country in the world that watches the NFL. They're doing everything possible to grow a team there. They know if they put a team in, in Mexico, that it would draw for all the game, home games that they know there's a market there. And that's the NFL. Okay, Mexico and football, NFL, usually you wouldn't think those two to go together. Baseball, on the other hand, they haven't done that. Like I've I'm like. Why haven't why hasn't MLB built a huge, amazing stadium in the Dominican Republic? Let's do a 10 million dollar investment. We're going to build the best stadium there. We're going to have a series. It's our stadium. We control it. We have it. Kids can come in. We can watch the game. Reason to broadcast it. MLB Network says, I'm going to pass all the games to the Dominican Republic League. Okay, so fans here who love baseball, okay, can watch games because there's a difference. You either love MLB or you love baseball. You know, if you love baseball, you're going to watch Dominican winter ball. You're going to watch baseball continuously. That's where I think the game in the Latino realm, they're missing it, you know, and I think that, I think that as much as Americans love Latino players, okay, 
Latinos love non-Latino players. Okay, so you think Fernando Tatis is big in the United States? Mike Trout is bigger than Tatis in the United States in Latin America. Okay, because they love the game that much. That I don't think Major League Baseball has understood that on how much guys are loved that are not Latino outside of the United States. Whose idea was being Guillen? You know what? So being Guillen was, so I was at Teamworks Media. I got invited by Tab Badford to, again, one of those things that I just did. Uh, he invited me. They had like a live show. I did it. And then I guess one of the bosses said, hey, do you, you, know, you want to be on every day? And I said, well, I can do it on my lunch break. I got work. I said, cool. Supposed to be like two days a week. I basically started doing it all the time. They offered me the Azaguin Jr. show, my own show. And I was like, man, doing your own show is hard. Okay. Doing your own shows is tough, especially when you are only covering one sport. And I was like, okay, how am I going to lay this out? Obviously, I had my family members as, uh, as guests. And I said right off the bat, I said, this is it. I went to Levita Baseball and I said, hey, can we change my show and I'll bring Ozzy and Oni and we can do this. And we've been talking about doing this for a while. Let's make it happen. So that's where being Gian came from. And we've every single conversation that we have about baseball now is in that format when we got Gian's world. And again, it's a way for us to stay connected to the game. Let Ozzy speak out because I think for the growing fan base, Okay, meaning if a kid's 13 years old, 14 years old, 15 years old, and he's trying to learn the game of baseball, instead of us, the older generation saying analytics sucks and just walking away, we have to show them that there's another form of the game, explain it to them, teach them and say, hey, there's these two worlds that, are, that can combine, they can make a super world. But that's where the education is. So just like I listened to podcasts about you know, guys that are writing algorithms and doing amazing things in the, you know, within that world, you know, people that are younger should listen to individuals like yourself. And that's how you build it. I thought that Ozzy needed that platform to be able to express himself and say, this is what I think about the game. This is how I feel about certain situations. Because Ozzy feels, man, like, you know, when the kid died, uh, when Tyler died, the kid in Anaheim. Tyler Skaggs. You know, people are like, yeah, we didn't know him, but you start thinking about all the times that that could have been one of your players. Okay. Because you feel like a manager and you want to give your opinion about, we all wanted to give our opinions about how taboo addiction was in the game of baseball. Okay. You know how crazy somebody is. I've been recovering myself. You know, my, my, my uh, drug of choice was alcohol, but it could have been something else just as easy you know it's just like how you like your you know you like them tall short it's it's just that easy and it's so easy to hide because it's part of the game oh it's part of the game it's part of the game and i think for ozzy growing up in the game of baseball he was like we are we need to just like we're adding better shifts we need to we need to face this head on okay and not shame the player but let the player know that the, my door is open because when I was a player, I definitely didn't want my manager to know that I had any type of problems because it would be deemed weak. And with Tyler, and then you got, you know, you got Roy dying at a young age. You got all these stories. You got CeCe with an amazing 
you know, documentary about having the cojones to in the middle of a playoff say, you know what, my life is more important than pitching a game for the Yankees. And he's going to be a Hall of Famer one day. So Ozzy, I think that like stories like that, we wanted him to give his opinion because it's a horrible story. It's tragic. But then when you start looking at, you know, the, how many times it's happened, you're like, man, it, it, it kind of happens more often than more other industries and guys that are dealing with it and battling with it. And when you're really in it, you start saying, oh, so-and-so got to help this person. For him, that was like, and we wanted to him to express that. And that's the type of things like, to him, those are, that's just as important as saying, hey, the bunt has a place in baseball. Mm. Am I going to bunt with Jim Tomey? No. Okay, but if, if I'm hitting against Mariano Rivera and there's a runner on second with no outs and we need one, t- one tie, I think I'm bunting because I'm Ozzy Guillen, that's Jim Tomey. So that's where we build it. So basically we can showcase our opinions and, and, and what we thought about the game of baseball because it's an industry. And now we have so many, God, we've had so many things the past three years you know, from taking a knee to just so many things in baseball that you didn't have to deal with in the past. Then now, you know, Hall of Fame steroids and how guys voted that before you kind of just, when you're in the game, you really ignore, but when you're outside, you're like, Hey, I need, I need to give my opinion about this just right or wrong. People need to know how I feel. And I think the craziest one Lawrence was people thought my dad was going to come out and write women have no place in baseball you know, with the, with the, with the young ladies getting into coaching. Okay. And Ozzy's post was, cause we talked about my daughter. I said, okay, Adela Margot grows up in baseball. Okay. Sean Dunson's daughter, for example, in the dinner table, baseball, baseball, baseball. She loves the game, you know, does everything that somebody has to do in order to put themselves in that position. Okay. Regardless of the gender, I don't think anybody should be plucked from anywhere and just put in a position because we think that they're deemed the precision. But if the person has paid their dues, okay, and they've gotten to the level of coaching, that level is the next stepping stone. What's the difference? And we talked about it. People were like shocked when we said, I, we both said, I said, balls do not make you a better coach. Okay. So why is a coach that never played Major League Baseball you know, he played high school baseball. He gets to coach because he's a guy, but a girl that they didn't play big leagues just like him, she's not deemed the right coach. So what do you, that that makes no sense. So the moment that you took away the the moment that the the major league baseball as a requirement is gone, that's it. Anybody can be a coach as long as you put that work in. So I think people were shocked about that. Again, there's challenges about you know how you address them showering situation again things that you overcome but they were like if you put the work in and people need to realize this and he said it was really funny because he says this about latinos all the time there's going to be shitty ones (laughs) there's going to be really bad ones okay just like there's great latino managers there's horrible latino managers just like there's great black man so you can't just say and he was really rooting for the first girls that make it because he's like that's a that's a lot of pressure because i felt it because i knew if i failed they, right. might not consider the, they might not consider the group behind me. That's something that for those ladies is really hard because if you fail, you know, they might say, oh, this is the wrong fit. You know, so they're going to be dealing with things that maybe in five years, the next generation won't deal with. Okay. But they'll have to put that work in because they're proving themselves. And I was, I felt like that when I was a manager that they didn't really think Latino people, Latino managers could win a world series. You know, Felipe hadn't done it. He got close, but they didn't do it. 
So it was something that wasn't, you know, and he goes, I had a double whammy. I had Kenny who's a black GM. So we were going against like, people didn't really talk about it, but we knew that we were, our odds were, <laughs> our odds were very off. He makes a joke. He's like, if we had a black catcher, then that would have been made it really interesting. <laughs> yeah, like Charles Johnson, that would have been like, that would have been like next level stuff. But those guys thought about that. Like it's because it's like, you look at the numbers and it's not, you know, when you're in the top three of something that happened for the first time and you've been in the game for so long and no one's done it, you feel pressured, you know? Look, people, I always tell people this, look at Ozzy and Kenny pre-World Series and look at Ozzy and Kenny post-World Series, okay? They basically said, that's it. We did it. Now you guys are going to get what we really think. Now this is us. This is, we don't care. We won. Take it or leave it. But before that, they had to play, you know, it's like the draft. You get drafted. Everyone in the NBA goes on the, you know, Every sport, they, they behave, they shake their hand. No one's got earrings in. No one's shirtless. Everyone's got their suit. They want to sign that contract. Once you get that and you've got success, you say, hey, I don't care. I'll show up to the stadium, no shirt. But that's the game. So for Ozzy, I think that he, he sees himself in those young ladies of like they're doing something that's never been done before, okay, of, of them being in the game. And he asks all the time, like, hey, what's the situation, you know, like, you know, for changing? And, and for him, I, he, I asked him, I said, What's your biggest concern? He's like, I'm, I would be worried for one of the players, you know, to snap at them in a certain way, you know, because that, that competitiveness gets there. And that's an adjustment that you're going to have to make, you know, because. Because the, the dynamic is different than what you've Because the dynamic around. is different. Like, he's just like, and again, this is the part where he thinks it's funny. Do I think that it was right for a guy to go after his hitting coach and his hitting coach to go after a player? I don't think that's right or normal because if not, everybody would do it, but I've seen it happen. He's like, I've seen a hitting coach and a hitter just go at it. Like, you know, would I, do I think that a hitter would goes after my female, you know, hitting coach, we're going to have a problem. Just like it, just like I would have it with any other coach, but I would be more of her safety. I go, so he goes, said, there's some of these ladies that probably can beat up half of the guys that played for me, but that's another conversation. But he says that dynamic for me, would just be something new that you would have to explore. So he always asks guys like how it's going you know, uh, you know, what, what's happening. And he says, he said, he said, there's so many bad managers and coaches out there. I don't even know why people are worried about this. Like he was like, you know, make the first female manager. Why not? Everyone else has failed in, you know, in Baltimore. Why not? What do you have to lose? So that to him, I think that he reflects that and we do as well. And that's what we want the show to kind of bring a light. Are you and your brothers, your dad's like dream considering how you all have succeeded? I think that his dream, I think that, yes, because for him, baseball was a means to an end of getting to out of where my parents are from, very up the hood, basically. They met when they were 16 years old. And, you know, people think that people look at the success and they see like Ozzy and then they see now. And they think that it happened overnight. Like it's very, you know, my parents always talk about like, man, it's, it would have been so much easier now. There's like 70 Hispanic channels. You know, we have a translator. Teams are so helpful. You know, it's like when we were in the minor leagues, like it was just like, you know, John Crock was kind of translating in English. Like it was just like survival of the fittest. We got to Chicago. There was one Spanish channel. You know, they put a Mexican hat on in the screen. Like they thought it was Mexican, you know, like it was just a thing of the, of, of the game. Like, you know, you go to a store, there was nobody speaking Spanish. Like it was like, now it's like, it's so much easier. 
for them to be able to overcome that to say, okay, our kids came here and they had a goal. You know, Ozzy had a goal, like, I want my kids to come here. I want them to prepare themselves to be able to succeed as, as just citizens, you know, just as everyday people in this world. I think that for him, that's huge. I think that his grandkids are his pride and joy now. He, but they I very much loves- are. Like, seeing – I – I love seeing him with them. Like I, he is very different. It's, he is very different. He it's cries amazing. A lot more. It's amazing. He cries a lot more. My kids are probably going to be spoiled, but no, he cries a lot more with my grand. But I think that he, I think that for him with them, I think that his guard is down because he doesn't feel the sense of responsibility that he says it's on me. Of you're the one responsible that your kids have to. You know, they have to survive. That's your job. My job is to just enjoy them, okay, as much as possible. And I think that there's a, I'll be honest with you, I think there's a part of Ozzy, I think other than winning the World Series, okay, again, because he would know what that would mean. It'd be like the biggest redemption story ever. I think that he wants the kids to be a part of it. Because the time that he has gone there, Ozzy's never asked the White Sox for a lot, meaning once he's left the game with them, but he's like, the only reason that Ozzy threw out the first pitch last year in the playoffs, he said, I'll throw out the first pitch, but you have to promise me a first pitch again because I want to throw out the first pitch with my grandson, Ozzy, who we call also, so he gets the same experience that Adela did. And then the White Sox were like, oh, so you're going to do that with every grandkid? He says, yeah, yeah, I would love to. I'll throw my first pitch out because it was our first game and it was such a, a – but to him, like, he's enjoying that. Like, he's enjoying, you know – putting on the jersey and having a picture with Adela. That for him is a, is, a, is a world of just really different, like non-competitive. I think with us as, you know, as a father has always been a competitive element, but I think that's his pride and joy of like, I have my grandkids. Can they be proud of what I can do, what I have done? And the funny thing is, man, like I told him the other day, I was like, he doesn't, in his head, it doesn't check that he did what he did. Okay, because technically, here's a part that's interesting. I love Alex Cora. Okay, it's like an older brother to me. Alex Cora would be like Ozzy Jr. winning the World Series. Mm. Why? Alex Cora and I, like if I became a general manager of a major league baseball team, it should be expected of me. I went to high school in the United States. I went to undergrad in the United States. I went to college. Like I went to, I have a master's from the United States. I speak perfect English. Like that is like something that is, should be an automatic. Like, dude, it's not that big of a deal. Like, you know, this should be, and you're born a male. Like it's congratulations, but it's not that big of a deal. Alex, same thing. Alex, yes, he was born in Puerto Rico, but went to college here. Okay. He is bilingual. When you get guys like Dusty Baker, Ozzie Guillen, like those old school guys, that's like no high, like barely high school, played baseball and then just went and did it in a minority world. That make that's like when I say that's real Latino, like my dad went to like fifth grade and quit school. You know, that's like a big gamble to bet on, you know, something that you're passionate about to be able to get to that. That's what I, I'm like. That's it. I'm like that. You being the first one. And technically the only one till now, okay, because I'll see Miguel Cairo. He's in that group. Like I look at Miguel, I'm like, man, you're the man. Why? I was like, dude, you were playing baseball when you were 16. You're in the biggest game, managing next, coaching next to the biggest manager ever. Like that's hard. Have you been me? I'm like, this is expected. I'm smarter than Tony. Might be smarter than me in baseball. That's about it. 
Anything else, Tony? I got you. Like, <laughs> I got you, bro. Anything else? I got you, Tony. Maybe you're better than me, X's and O's. Everything else, I'm smarter than you. But that's how I see Ozzy. It's like, people say, well, Ozzy Jr. I'm like, yeah, of course I got to be smarter than my dad in certain things. Like, this guy wasn't 17 years old laying in a dorm reading about the social economics of the world. He was out there working and grinding. You know, he didn't have time to like the things that I did and my kid hopefully will do. So for me, for him, I think that as the kids get older, they'll start understanding that. Okay. Of him telling him that story, because it is a big deal, you know, um, as being the first guy, again, we didn't win 80, 80 years, the White Sox, no one ever talks about that. It's a long time, not, not the most, but it's still pretty long. And then him being the Latino, I don't think that's all checked in to him. And then like, I was like, dude, you're super young. Like for you to be able to do that, you know, the success that you had, like a flash, you know, most guys that manage don't even get to manage two years, let alone win one. So like, in, when you look at it, I think that as the years go by and it's like having a show and this is something that I've always believed. Anytime you get a job or you get a, a, a show or you get a, a movie or you get a sitcom or you get a job, even playing baseball, you're always going to get either fired or you're going to get fired in a nice way. Hey, you know, we're going to retire you. It comes to an end unless you die on the job. So one day we'll be saying, wow, Lawrence Holmes doing this for 35 years. It's going to end. Okay. It, you have to step away from it. That's how managing is. So when you look at it and you say, oh, it was a failure. It's like, well, really, was it a failure? You got to do something for eight years. No one else was able to do. Okay. Guys that were better than you at baseball, guys that had a better shot than you at baseball, guys that might've been smarter than you, that at, at, smarter than you, had a lot of advantage. But the fact that you got to do it, and I got that from Manny Acta. Because every time somebody comes in, I'm like, oh, man, you suck. He's like, well, I did it. You know, I, I, I managed. You didn't. So to me, that's when you look at his career and what he's been able to accomplish. Just when I tell him on TV, I was like, dude, like you were nominated for an Emmy. Like that, like you're from Venezuela. If you win an Emmy in communications in the United States, I was like, I'm not saying it might be the World Series because obviously you're obsessed with baseball. But I'm like, it's right there. Like the chances of you saying when you were a kid saying, Ozzy Yin, you're going to win an Emmy. It's like, it's just, I think about it, I'm like, this is nuts. Because I've known so many talented people that have never even been nominated. Okay, when he came out on the list, he was so happy. He was like, oh my God, I can't believe I'm on a list with all the top communication guys in Chicago. You were on the list, Layla was on the list. And I said, and I said, no shit, me too. I was like, I'm super surprised. So I was like, that's a very special list. So for him, I think that he's enjoying that now. And I think he loves the sense of comp competition that I think because he's able to do TV and be around the game that he's, that he doesn't think about baseball. Like if you tell him like, Hey, do he had the offer. He could have been a coach, a coach with the Padres and he could have kept doing TV and it was similar money. And he said, no, no chance. I want to, I want to keep doing my TV. And I said, that's, you know what you want. Cause if you wanted to go coach, you can go manage and, you know, be in the field, be wearing the uniform, be hitting fungos. I think that right now he's really happy where he's at. Is he obviously he'll never say no to managing in the big leagues. It's like being president of a country. Why would you say no? It's like, no, why would I say no? It's like, it is what it is. They're going to write about me one day, either bad or good. So I think that he doesn't think about it every day. I think that it's gone better as time has gone by, but I think he's enjoying what he's doing and being competitive. And again, being with the kids, I think that he's never going to get that time back again.
Man, this was great. I, I, I knew it would be great, but it's so great, man. I really appreciate you spending so much time with me, like breaking all this stuff down, man. Congratulations on all the success. Everything that you guys put out, like it's so fun, and it feels like it feels like anyone who's watching is invited over to your house. And the three of you are just, like, talking with us about the game like you would talk if there was no camera and no microphone. So it's it's a really incredible piece of broadcasting that, that the three of you have put together. So I wanted to tell you that, man, because I, I really do think it's incredible. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You know, it's, it's I always say this, and it happens to every artist, and it happens to every – it's very hard when you're talking and giving an opinion – to, to be able to be a hundred percent free. Cause even Ozzy with NBC, like people don't get it. Like it is the white Sox. Like you can't say in the post game show, the white Sox will lose today. Cause, cause I think they suck. Like, it's like, that's not conducive. Like you're covering the white Sox. Like you have to get it that you have to be able to tailor stories a different way. We enjoy it because we do feel like people are coming in and it is the conversations that I've had with you one-on-one -on -one in the dugout conversations that you had to have the honor to be with Ozzy, that he is being so candid. And the people that really know Ozzy, okay, which is a lot of the media in Chicago, that know Ozzy once the microphone's off, okay? They're like, this is amazing because this is what we miss. People don't get that. Like, I think the media misses Chicago. The media in Chicago misses Ozzy. Not the crazy stuff that was on there. They miss, like, the stuff they got to know off it, okay, that they all had, like, the little world with it. So that's what we try to bring and in, in when we're talking about baseball and, and then just being as authentic as possible, people say, you know, I say, you know, don't let, don't let your, don't, don't let it get personal. You know, don't let your feelings get in it. This is just an opinion from the years of experience that we've had. And, you know, and we're at it and I'll tell people this, I always say I'm, I'm up for debate. You know, we got so much crap for the Davis, David Ortiz thing. You know, we said, David is not a first ballot hall of famer. I said, I'll tell David that I said, do I think he's a hall of famer? Yes. Do I think it's a first bat? I said, no, why? I said, there's guys on that list, okay? Just on that list that if you look at them and if David Ortiz has any sense of awareness, you look at Barry Bonds and you say, you know, the guy could have done whatever. That's just an amazing player. The other guy, the other guy, Sammy, like regardless of what you think when you're in your profession, like, man, that dude, he did it every single day for that long. You just have respect for that. So I felt bad for David because maybe David didn't feel like he was the first, you know, that he was, a he's put in this position of like, man, I got picked number one and people like me and I got voted in, but I wanted people to let people know, like, yeah, let's be real. Like he is a hall of famer, but we're keeping guys like Sammy away, you know, bonds. And keeping bonds guys that, you know, they weren't perfect, but like, you know, the, the, I have the Sammy screw job shirt made like the Sammy situation. I still have him as my Twitter avatar. Like I never liked Sammy when, I, when he was playing, like he wasn't the type of player that I liked. Do I respect him? Yes, but he wasn't like, he wasn't like my dude. Like I wasn't like being like, man, I hope Sammy hits 80. But now I'm like, yo, everyone forgot about Sammy. Like this guy was baseball. Like the president of the United States was like, yo, Sammy, give us a shout out. Sammy flew around Latin America in between the 60 home run seasons. And for a whole month, took batting practice, okay, by himself, in filled stadiums in the Dominican and Venezuela, I was there. I saw it signing autographs, raising ridiculous amount of money. Okay. Sitting there and letting a bunch of wealthy people that wanted to meet him. And he was just raising all this money for all these great causes. 
And that's what I think. I'm like, do you think I'm going to judge a guy for using a cord bat one time that he got caught with it? Or if he used it every single time, he could have used that cord bat every home run he hit. The good that he did off the field, okay, it's a, it's a stat, okay? Sammy could have done a lot of more other criminal stuff that could have been way worse. So to me, I'm like, you got to keep both separate. So I, I just, so even that, that debate was awesome that we were on the air because people got to see what we really felt. You know, people got the other day, they were writing us, they're like, Ozzy said, Joe West is a Hall of Famer. People are like, you hate Joe West. He goes, I don't hate Joe West. I hated him when he was an umpire and I was, he was giving me bad calls. But if you do more than 5,000 games, you could be blind behind the plate. You, you're, in the, you're in the Hall of Fame automatically. Like, he was like, that's hard. He was like, I have that many games and I was on the bench and playing. This guy had to be behind the plate taking ball. Like, th- like Joe West is a Hall of Famer. I don't care what anybody thinks. And But again, that genuine uh, conversation, that's what we're trying to bring to uh to, to the people to hear and listen and, and obviously keep enjoying baseball and laughing at our, regardless if we're good or bad, you're going to be entertained because Ozzy's always fun to be around and we try to keep it real with him. Dude, thanks for doing this. I appreciate oh, that. I truly you. do. Thank you. We can, we, you and I can talk forever. Thank you for having me. You know, we have shit, man. We didn't even talk about football. I know. I know. <laughs> um, so it's funny because my, so I said, People are like, well, tell me what you think. I said, ah, man, I'll tell you after I know where Rodgers is going to sign. And they're like, what do you mean? I was like, man, I've been down this road before. I said, the, the, the kid could be awesome, but it's like, you know, it's like if you were a shortstop in the 90s, there's Cal Ripken. Right? Yep. Like, you could still do good, and obviously you hope for the best, but I was like, you got to compete. Again, can they take the throne? Absolutely. Again, I always enjoy talking to you because you always keep it real and you know we've had debates uh what was the last thing we were arguing about tony tony correct and so those are for those debates that makes you a better person number one okay because i understand where everyone is coming from somebody said it to me and i was like oh because i guess i didn't see it that way because i have someone involved in the, in the, in the situation, like meaning I have a former father who's a manager, but a person in the media said, you know why I really got mad? Why him and not Ozzy? And I said, I said, damn, I was like, and then he went, then he went on the list. Okay. Why is he getting a second shot, a third shot, fourth shot to do this now when we can be giving, you know, guys that are a little bit young. And he went, the person went in into like really deep, you know, conversation about it. And I said, I had never looked at it that way because obviously I had the baseball mentality of it. I, I didn't, you know, I didn't, I didn't look at it. And again, I'm close to Tony in the sense that I know him, right? but I'm, I'm blinded. I'm blinded about, I'm so close to the game that I'm not seeing it. So when other people, and this is why I love talking to base with people that are knowledgeable, you get pulled out and you're like, no, dude, look around. You're too close to it. And you're like, oh, okay, I get it. This is, this is why this outrage and, you know, all the situation that obviously it happened, but I understood it. And again, it makes me a better person and it makes me better in baseball. You know, I've people, cause people text me, Tony messed up. And I said, I know he messed up. I said, he's going to mess up. He's 76 years old. 50, 40, 51 year olds mess up. I'm like, I'm surprised the guy's managing. 
I was like, my father-in-law is five years younger than him. He's falling asleep on the couch. <laughs> like, trust me, I'm 37 and I'm in the watching the game on my TV. And I'm like, how is Tony up right now? Like, I'm, I'm, I'm amazed, but I know that there's the negatives. And I said, again, you, you have to see the pros and the cons. And, and it's funny because I told, I told somebody in the White Sox front office, I said, I'm going to be honest with you, man. If I was owning any team, okay, and my team is this talented, okay, I don't know if this team's going to win any rings. I don't. But compared to the 90s, I'm talking position players, pitchers, time will tell, but hitters, okay, God-given ability of getting out of bed, okay, and just hitting. Because if you think Tim Anderson's a good baseball player, a baseball player, you have no idea what his potential is. This guy's just getting hits on just being himself. I don't even think he even knows that he's a baseball player. Moncada, Pantera, Eloy. Hitting, I don't think the Whites have ever had a, ta- a team ta- this talented, at least in my lifetime. And that's when Robin and Frank and all those guys were in the team. Talented-wise, meaning can they get to their potential? If your team is that talented, I said, I have a question. I was like, what, what do you guys ever think about having like Tony and then Ozzy as bench coach? And they, they were like, their head flipped. I said, I have a question. This is before COVID. What happened if Tony like gets sick? He's 76, 76 years old. You know, you stump your toe in the ground. You might be out for three months. You know, this is a reality. I said, what's plan B? I said, do you guys feel comfortable enough? And if your answer is yes, then. So be it. So be it. But if your answer is not yes, I said, the windows are so small in championships. So like right now with the Bears, like if they think that that's the head coach guy, you better get the best second, second best second coach guy so he can back him up. And if you got to pay him a million dollars more than the other team, then you pay him a million dollars more than the other team. You can't just make it by pieces and say, oh, okay, well, I'm going to bring the best head coach, but we'll kind of water it down with a bunch of like, okay, coaches around him. You can do that if you're not really going for it. But if you're going for it and I got to pay more to bring in somebody that's going to help me and put egos aside and whatnot. People always think about players. I'm surrounding myself with the best staff ever. If the young pitching coach has no big league experience in game, I'm getting him an assistant. Okay. A guy that just knows old school baseball and they're going to work together. And I'm covering all my bases because I have a three-year window. And they were like, Oh, I said, you guys never had the conversation. I said, the media wouldn't have said anything, you know, they can't, you can't argue it. You're like, who, who, like, who else are you going to argue? And I said, the reason that it happened was the interview process was a little jaded. Okay. I know that the interview process is BS. I do. Meaning sometimes it happens, but the Padres interviewed 25 guys. Maybe they always knew that it was two or three. Okay. They interviewed more guys because again, but the, the interview process was jaded, but they knew who they got. So I was like, I think people are just mad that you just gave them like a one piece part of it that you didn't like just give them more with it. So I've always said that I was like, that would be a very wild, interesting. And I'm still, by the way, to this day, I'm like, what's planned? Like what's when obviously he's going to get to a point that he's going to be 90. What's the secession plan? Like what's the handing of the baton? Okay. That's the part that like, when I'm looking at it as a baseball guy, I'm like, even if I was a player, I'm like, who's going to be after this guy? Like, if I'm planning my career, I'm thinking like I had that much. And that's something that they're not done. We can talk about that another time. But those, that's how deep 
you know, that you want to win, you put egos aside and say, hey, we got a two, three year window before these guys go make so much money that we won't be able to afford them. Let's double down. Dude, be well. Tell everyone in the family I said, hey, and if being Gian needs needs an NFL correspondent, holler. I would love to come and just I will sit do it. Hey, do not guys. give me ideas. We're gonna have to make Gian's world like all these media companies that are there. We're gonna have to do it the same setup, but for other sports. I'm down. Count me in. We we will do it. All we're right, brother. Thank you, buddy. Big hug. Hey man, be well. I'll see you soon, okay? See you soon, bye. It's funny how some of the episodes the interview's done and I know it's done and the other person kind of knows it's done. And then there are episodes where if I would have had another hour to talk with Ozzy Jr., I would have loved it. But I didn't, and he didn't. But I like when sometimes there are other things that people want to discuss, and it leads to an even deeper understanding of what the person is about, what it is that they want to accomplish, like all of those things. So I think, Ozzy Jr. sincerely for giving of his time. And I, I, I hope you enjoyed the episode because I very much enjoyed it too. I am looking forward to what happens this spring and summer on House of L. I was in Arizona this past weekend and it was supposed to be kind of a chill vibe. Like I was supposed to be there on on just like not doing anything but then I figured out oh you know I'll go to I'll 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 go and hang out and watch a little bit of baseball so I went and watched a little bit of baseball and I talked with Maddie Lee and I am hopefully going to have Maddie Lee back doing her baseball podcast and we were talking about some ideas for that I think it's going to be an interesting year on both sides of town. So having someone whose expertise is in those uh, clubhouses is, is going to be a big deal. So she said, she's like, let's, let's do some, let's zhuzh it up. I was like, all right. And she was doing like the hand thing. Let's zhuzh it up. So we're going to zhuzh up her, her podcast. And the, the guys over at sports adjacent, I don't, I, I really want you to listen to their podcast because it's amazing. The the three of them have a really good rapport and a good vibe, and they have a lot of fun, and it's really, really interesting. So whenever we post a sports-adjacent podcast, please show it some love. And follow the – they actually have their own feed too. Eventually, I think that they will probably – be only on their feed because they've grown enough so that they don't necessarily I've been struggling with this like this is like for example I'm a listener of the Levitard podcast and I've kind of slowed down listening to the podcast because they're putting out so much content I can't keep up so I feel like I'm out of the loop so as someone who also produces a podcast I'm I'm cognizant of, oh, well, you know, I've got thoughts on the Bulls, and I want to put that out, and I want to put out an interview, and then Sports Adjacent, and I'm zhuzhing up Maddie's podcast, and I'm like, is that too much for the listener? And I don't know the answer, but it's definitely something that's on my mind. 
Like, I'm looking at the way that I consume and I listen to a ton of podcasts. And the Levitard show is one of my favorites. And I'm just like, I can't, whenever I get, when I get into a mood, I have to catch up. And I'm like, how far back do I go? So we're going to play around with all sorts of things in the spring. And hopefully it won't be too much volume for you. Because we do like throwing out good content, but I don't want the content to get lost because we're putting out too much of it. The good thing is is that spring, summer is a really good time for driving, although gas prices are probably going to suck. But commuting, it's a good time for commuting, so if you're using mass transit, please support the House of L podcast. Let me know. I mean, houseoflpodcast at gmail.com is the way that you can email me. Let me know if, if... if your consumption can't handle too much. Now, here's the thing. When I look at the Levitard and Friends people, they're, they've already figured out how to game the system. Mike, always, Mike uh, Ryan Ruiz always talks about that, where it's the downloads matter. Like, the downloads are what is the metric that matters. And if they're putting out five episodes, five different episodes per day, like they're getting those downloads and then they're able to sell those metrics to whomever and and put it in front of DraftKings and they write them a check for $50 million, which is great. There's something I haven't, I haven't become as jaded yet on, I just want the downloads. Like I, genuinely want you to listen to everything that we put out and so I'm kind of stuck in please listen to the podcast and listen to all of it versus well we have our loyal subscribers people that have subscribed to this podcast and as soon as I put an episode out the downloads go through but it's an org to me it's an organic process so it I always feel like if I put something out, I want people to listen to it because that was the whole point of doing it. So yes, I'm 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 definitely at a crossroads as a creative. So you won't be lonely trying to figure out what's important, but for me still what's important is if we have great content, I want you to hear and listen to the great content. Thanks for coming to my TED Talk. As I said, go back and listen to recent episodes if you missed them. The Mike Lowe episode is so wonderful. He really gave himself, and I really do believe that a lot of the stuff that he was talking about with mental health issues is going to be helpful for a lot of people. So please... Go back and listen to that, especially if you're someone who's been struggling. If you've been struggling, I would would highly recommend it. Thanks for listening to this episode. New Sports Adjacent will be out in a couple of days. Catch up on all of those. I'll talk to you next time. Peace. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. 
Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.